Welcome to tonight's special event at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Please welcome our host for this evening, Peter Robinson. Thanks all for coming along today. So um, obviously we're going to be talking about um, smart screen time for kids. Um, so we have three experts with us. So at the end we have Dr. John Potter, who is an academic at the Institute of Education, specialises in children's media. Um, Alison Perry is an award-winning blogger, say that word, uh, not another mummy blog, um, and where she blogs about fashion and beauty, but most importantly for today, kids. And next to me here we have Nick, who you may have noticed the, uh, the Hopster logo there, is the CEO of Hopster, so it's a video and learning app for preschool children, um, and has recently been awarded BBFC's first U rating in the App Store. Um, so just quickly, just introduce who I am. So I'll be moderating the session today. Um, I work for a company called Dubbit, who um, oh, I head up the research team uh, at Dubbit, who specialise in um, kind of kids' entertainment and helping kids' entertainment brands create appropriate and, and fun content for kids, essentially. Um, and we also have an interactive department who kind of develop digital products and have been doing so for 15 years. So it's been really fascinating from 15 years ago to see how digital content has changed. And as I'm sure many in the audience here are aware, really, really grown in the last couple of years through mobile and tablets. Um, so let me um, let the guys here introduce themselves. I'm going to start with Dr. John at the end. He's going to tell us a little bit about himself and why today's conversation is so important right now. Um, thanks very much, Peter. Yeah, I'm uh, John Potter and I work at the Institute of Education in something called the London Knowledge Lab. And uh, a lot of the research that I've done in recent years has been connected with children and young people, probably older children than would use, be using Hopster particularly, uh, and the sorts of experiences that they have on uh, devices outside of school, inside of school, and in the third space between school and home. Um, particularly interested in one of the areas of discussion I know is how have tablets and touch screens changed or are changing children's viewing habits and uses of media. Um, and I think it's, it's actually fundamentally changing it, inevitably, because of the way that the screens operate, their tactile nature and their portability and so forth. And the world that they're growing up in is really different to the one I grew up in, where the screen was in the corner of the room, one room. This can be anywhere and, and used in any kind of situation. And, uh, you know, with all of that, it brings um, all sorts of changes to the social arrangements and practices that we have in our home lives and so forth. And um, that's all I want to say by way of introduction to that. Cool. So, Alison, um, you next. Alison is the mother of a three-year-old, so it'd be really interesting to hear about how digital has been involved with you from a, from a three-year-old, from a one, two and three-year-old's perspective. Um, yeah, so my daughter is three and a half at the moment, and as a family who own... I don't know how many devices, you know, we've got two iPads, a few iPhones, you know, kicking around, um, a laptop. Um, so my daughter has very much kind of had her hands on technology from a very young age. Um, you know, we've got photographs of her aged eight months playing on um, a Fisher-Price um, app, um, a Penguin Book app. You know, she's, you know, very much... Um, knows her way around um, an iPhone and an iPad. Um, I think she was probably about age two when she worked out what my passcode was on my iPhone and could swipe and put my, co my code in. Um, and as a parent, as, as someone who's a massive tech fan, 
and I love apps and I'm always reading up on, you know, I'm getting excited about the new games and ways of watching TV that my daughter can get involved with. Equally, I have concerns. You know, you see headlines about um, kids and their digital consumption and how that affects them. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm very much that kind of average parent of, um, you know, my family live in the, in the modern world, but I have equally have these concerns. And next on to Nick. Um, so Nick, do you want to tell us a little bit about Hop, where, where you came from and, and how Hopster came to exist? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I run Hopster, which is a, a TV and learning app for preschool kids. It brings together a really high quality selection of great TV shows uh, and then loads of learning games. So I kind of come at it today from having started this business, but actually we, we sort of started it actually in the same place that, that Alison did of of being a user of, digit of digital, of having a young child at home and trying to find good things and the right things um, for her to do. Um, and feeling that conventional TV had too many ads on it, it was a bit too passive, she was just gonna sit there and kind of go square-eyed. And thinking that there really were interesting opportunities um, to create something that really used the power of touchscreen and all the amazing things that digital devices can do to create something that was actually a really good place uh, for kids to be. Um, and I think if we just sort of think about what's, um, what's changed over the last few years uh, and how devices and iPads and mobile and the internet is changing kids' TV and changing screen time for kids, um, I think um, you know, a big part of what gets us excited and what gets us out of bed every day is all the amazing things that you can do on those devices to create something which is actually better and more more active and more stimulating and more personalized um, than you could have done four or five years ago. And that's, yeah, that's a big part of what we do and that's what gets us, gets us excited every day. So, Alison, um, from an app perspective, what, what gets your daughter excited and what, what sort of apps is she enjoying? Well, obviously she's only three, so I make all her app choices for her at the moment. So there's, um, we have pretty much every Tokoboka app that, 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 you know, you can buy. So, um, they're, I think they're a Scandinavian company now based in San Francisco and their apps are just brilliant. And just from a design point of view and a user point of view, and they're just fun. So she uses all of those. Um, and the kind of, one of the issues I've got is that she, she um, watches a lot of TV on our iPad, but she watches most of it through YouTube. We started off with her watching a lot of CBeebies content on iPlayer, which was brilliant. Um, but now she, all she wants to do is go onto YouTube and she watches Russian cartoons. She watches vintage Donald Duck cartoons. Um, but of course, my concern is that I have to always be standing over her when she's watching these because I'm so worried that she'll just find her way onto something really unsuitable on YouTube. Um, so at the moment, yeah, the, the, the kind of main things that she uses are Tokoboka apps and and YouTube. And so other than enjoyment, as a parent, what are you looking for? What kind of experience are you looking for your child to have on digital? Um, uh, for, for a three-year-old, I mean, you know, when she was younger, it was just stuff that was fun. It was things that were kind of encouraging her to, um, you know, to think about, you know, finding her way around a game, perhaps. Um, the kind of things I'm, that I'm quite keen are things that help her learn. So she's really into writing at the moment and she really wants to write her own name. So apps that will encourage her to, to draw letters 
um, things that inquire, require a bit of feedback. There is one app that she uses, which is like a Hello Kitty game, and it's just really mindless and boring. And I kind of discourage her from playing that. Um, so just, yeah, things that, that kind of sit alongside her development, to me, that's what I'm looking for. So, Dr. John, good time to come on to you. So, from from a, uh, a a tablet perspective, and how has that changed the way kids engage with entertainment and and perhaps have develop and learning experiences? Well, I think one of the uh, opportunities of them is this idea that children can become can become, in the best sense, more agentive about some of the choices they make within the kinds of limitations um, that uh, parents have to throw around that for reasons of safety that Alison's outlined quite well there. Um, but it's this idea that children can decide for themselves by swiping around on the touch screen exactly what they're going to do and for how long. And then the parent's role in that is to say, well, you've perhaps been a little bit too long on this. You should do something else. Th I mean, the, the grave concerns that people have around this is that it just multiplies the screen use of, of children from the earliest days that uh, more screens is more screen time and that this is in, in some way dangerous and really it's not research shows that it's really not the uh, amount of screen time it's what and it's the quality of the screen time and it's there's some very very useful advice out there for parents which is provided by the children's media foundation and they've just launched a parents portal um, which has been compiled by Lydia Plowman at Edinburgh University so it's got all the sorts of concerns that people have how much screen time is too much um, what sorts of things should I be doing as a parent about the multiplying of screens and so forth that there are in, in my house. And um, there's some really, really interesting research there. It's a very, very balanced website. It's not in any way kind of promoting screens um, without saying that there are caveats to their use. And I think we all go a bit weird with children and screens, and we maybe sometimes need to reflect on our own use of screens. If children see you endlessly, pawing at your iPad or your iPhone as well, they're going to think that, well, that's something that I must be doing. Um, and don't forget that they, ha they don't know of a time when they're three when these things weren't around. So it, is, it behoves you as a parent to sort of think about those issues because the, um, the devices and the practices and social arrangements around these devices have all completely altered um, from my childhood and even from my children's um, childhood. Mine are 18 and 21 now. Um, yeah, so I think that's, there are definite opportunities. And I think that idea of being agentive is, is good and it's strong. And of course, there are, with the touchscreen devices, the ability of children to switch between consuming um, and then playing a game. And then hopefully, my interest is in, in making. So children making images, uh, you know, taking pictures and making short videos themselves and using some of the creative potential of, of the touchscreens is what excites me, actually, about it. I think that I think there's an important point as well, which is like there's sometimes a, a sort of view that if you if you leave kids their own devices, they're naturally going to gravitate towards the worst stuff out there. They're naturally going to end up doing bad bad things, or they're going to go to terrible apps. And I think certainly what what Alison described of making sure that kind of there's a good range on the iPad is really important. Um, but I think what we see is kind of kids are smart. You know, kids you know talk a boca, make awesome, beautiful good quality learning apps that are great to use and kids also love them and I think it's not you know you don't as an app maker you don't have to make a choice between doing something that's good for kids and something that kids enjoy uh, I think it's totally possible to do both and actually the best apps make really cool really fun really exciting stuff for kids to do 
that is also good, is also developmental, is also pulls kids into being active and, and doing good things. Um, so actually, I think that's, that's, a, that's a discipline that we all try and get into. Um, just as a point here, if anyone has any questions or concerns and can't wait to go on Children Media Foundation, please feel free to put your hand up and ask, and I'm sure people in the audience will, will answer those questions as well. So, if Peter, do you mind if I say something about traditional literacy as well and print literacy? Because um, sometimes people uh, set the one up against the other. So you have media um, and its pervasiveness against children, and do they still love books? And, and I think that there are tremendous opportunities and they're really often exploited to make links between the different media. And children perceive their consumption of books and screens in much the same light. And if you look at the way that there are tie-ins with really very high quality picture books uh, and media, these two things feed off each other and they're not separate in a child's um, imagination. And I know that some of the selections that you've made in, in, in your product reflect that. Um, and I think that's a really valuable uh, contribution that screens can make. And if you think about the number of tie-ins for older children that have been, the number of movies that have driven people back to books and from books back to screens again, it's, it's quite vast, actually. It's true, actually, because um, my daughter is obsessed with books equally to you know how, how she's you know loves you know playing games, things on the iPad, and things like the Graffalo. Um, you know, Julia Donaldson book, she would much rather read the book than watch the cartoon, the, the you know, the, the animation. So yeah, I think I think that's a really good point to make. Yeah, um, I, know, I don't know if you've seen the video of a kid with a, um, I think it's a magazine, mm. trying to like swipe, trying to like swipe the images and then realizing it won't swipe and kind of looks at a parent and I think, what's the, magazine's broken. And I think there is, from kids who've grown up in that world, there is that real expectation that things are going to be active, that things are going to be interactive, that things are going to respond when you touch them and do interesting things. My daughter gets really frustrated when we're, we've got the MacBook Air open and she's touching the screen. Yeah. She gets so frustrated that nothing happens. She just doesn't understand that nothing, that not everything is touch screen. Yeah, it's broken. It's broken. <laughs> but what I think what that, again, as, as, as people who make, make apps, I think actually that level of expectation is actually the most amazing um, thing for us to build on, you know, that you can take a book and make it interactive that you can take a tv show and make that come to life and make and find ways to bring a child into that tv show and play with the characters or enlarge upon the themes um that you know even in that you can input elements of a book into a game and elements of a game into a book uh, it's the most amazing canvas for for um for people like us to work on people like hopster to work on um because kids are so ready to engage with it and so so kind of primed to engage with it so um, obviously there we were mentioned about screen time as well and how much, how much is too much screen time. And as you've said, it's, it's not so much about the time, it's more about the content they're consuming. But how do you, as, as a parent, um, kind of moderate time? Do you moderate time or, you know, on, across devices and books and, and TV and everything else? Um, it's something that I kind of, I struggle with and I think most, most parents do. Um, you know, as a person, my default is I come in and if I've had a, you know, tiring day, I'll put the TV on and flop on the sofa and that's my relaxation time. So it's really hard to not kind of, you know, fall into that default with your child as well. You know, you've come in from a really active day out somewhere and you put the TV on. Um, and what we've started doing is we use the iPad as a reward. So, um, you know, if she's had a really good day at preschool, then one of her rewards is she gets to use the iPad. Um, and we find that by doing that, 
that it naturally limits because she's not good every day i'm sorry to say um but naturally limits how much she's using it um and yeah it, it just means that it's not constantly on because you know it i think it, otherwise it would be a case of i want the ipad i mean i'm gonna hold my hands up the first thing she wants to do when she wakes up is put the ipad on that's the first thing she asks for every morning so it's definitely a concern of mine that it's something we have to manage so how does that break out throughout the day then? When, when does your daughter use the iPad? When does she watch TV? When does she read a book during the day? I mean, um, I mean, she's at preschool for the bulk of the day. So there, you know, there's no screens. She's out playing. She's reading books. She's interacting with kids. So I think in my head, that's how I manage that guilt in my head in terms of, yes, if, you know, while she's having her breakfast, she's watching something on YouTube, but equally... Um, you know, for the, most of the day she's out doing stuff and at the weekends we're always out with her. So then when we do get home and then she wants to play things on, you know, games or that kind of thing, in my head I've got that balance sorted, it's okay. Hi, Amanda Gummer from The Good Toy Guide. We um, advocate a really healthy play diet and we, we trend to do what you do and use the screen time as treats and... Um, and the reward and obviously the outdoor play is your fruit and veg. So we're, we're passionate about encouraging parents and empowering parents to make sure that um, kids are having that healthy play balance. We're actually also launching the Good App Guide shortly, which is again about helping parents um, find good apps. But there's, with the, for the developers, for you, this is really a question for you, Nick. How do you make a, an app that is good enough so it's sticky and enjoyable, but not so good that it causes tantrums when the parents are <laughs> um, trying to get it off the kids? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's... I can answer that in the way that we sort of try and deal with it as a, as a family ourselves, which is I think we most families sort of devise strategies a little bit like what Alison said, of kind of like, well, if you, if you have your dinner then we can do 15 minutes of iPad before bedtime or um, you know, build it into a day as kind of, as kind of part of a balanced diet. Um, you know, I think we would, we'd probably struggle to sort of um, make it 100% good and then make it like a little bit worse just to make sure it's not too addictive. Um, um, what, I think what we'll try and do is make the best, app, the best stuff that we can um, and then sort of try and engage parents really in saying, look, as, as a parent, in the same way that you do with TV, in the same way that you do with how many cheeseburgers to eat in a week, in the same way that you do with whether it's a good idea to have pizza every night or not. Um, you know, as a parent and as a family, you kind of make, you need to make some of those decisions yourself as well. Um, I do think there's a really interesting thing, though, that a lot of apps um, are starting to push towards as well, which is also encouraging kids to do things in the physical world as well. I don't think there has to be a hard divide between saying, if you're in digital, you're in front of a screen, you're in a screen the whole time, and the physical world is completely different. I think lots of apps do interesting things around getting kids to create themselves, to play themselves. Um, you're seeing people start to do really interesting things around wearable technology, where an app might actually interact with uh, a child's watch or something and encourage them to go out and be active or run around or complete a mission. Um, so I think as that side of the technology develops as well, that opens up some really interesting things around sort of play that you can create that actually encourages kids to go and be active as well, and that's and that can only help parents. And I think you can never you can never avoid kids having tantrums. It doesn't matter what the app is; it's just it's inevitable. 
But I think another thing that's really interesting about these particular devices, I guess based on their size, portability and, and so forth, is the way that they spark conversation as well. I like your analogy with the diet, which has been picked up by Nick as well. But I mean, they're not something that you would just give and then go. There, a lot of these games and activities are things that you can share uh, as a parent with, with children. I think um, I was in a house where uh, an iPad had just arrived with a, with a five-year-old. And uh, just even just going on a mapping program and just talking about the walk to school, and he was saying, "Oh, that's the yeah, this is where I go." And there's a big building there, and we were looking at Street View or whatever. So it stimulates, it can stimulate a lot of talk um, and a lot of interaction between children and, and their carers. Um, thinking about also all, all sorts of kinds of museum apps and that kind of thing, where you're out and about looking at things, you can you can do more with it. I think one of you know one of the great things about making Hopster was we got to put all our favorite shows in it as well. So there's a beautiful show called Madeline that uh, that we picked up, um, show that we we really 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 liked in the office, hadn't had that much exposure in the UK, uh, and we kind of as a family we kind of discovered that together and watched that together, and it was it was awesome. It's it a really sort of personal fun experience, um, and you know I think you, just, you know, again good apps are about bringing those experiences to life. Um, so. John, um, Nick started to touch then on the future, um, wearables and everything else. I mean, how do you see these future technologies being integrated um, or even future kind of tablet consumption and behaviour as well? And well I think that um, one of the things that I've been writing and thinking about is how that we kind of curate our experience now publicly, really, in digital media. So it behoves us as well to start thinking about if they're making images and sharing them and sharing status updates and all this kind of thing. Um, that's something that we also need to be thinking about. It's a kind of an idea that the life life is a project now, in a way, and that what you share and what you you show and, what, and uh, how many people are seeing it and so forth. So I think that's not going to go away. This urge to put up pictures from holidays and events and so forth. So that idea that they're kind of curating, in a way, their own experiences and preferences by what they share and show on these devices. Um, I think Nick's mentioned the wearables. I, I, I don't know. I just can't predict that. I can't go that far ahead. But I think it's already making inroads into in-gallery experiences and museum uh, and other kinds of visits. But there really isn't a kind of, in terms of looking very far ahead, there isn't anything, any substitute for people having sensible, rational conversations and decisions in this field and resisting this kind of duality that you get, which is ever so easy to do in the media. So on Radio 4, you'll have somebody saying, screens are really bad, and another person saying, they're not really that bad, uh, which is a really dull and unnuanced way of thinking about it. Every relationship, every parental grouping is different. People have to find their own way and treat it, you know your diet analogy, treat it the way you would with food and other aspects of life and be involved as a parent, not <laughs> kind of shoving the screen at them and then going onto your own screen and then walking away from it. That's the kind of abnegation of responsibility as well. But, um, and I do recommend, finally, I do recommend that portal, that parent's portal has got, it deals with that number one thing of how much screen time is too bad. Very, very, uh, very interesting research on there. Okay, so Alison, um, we, we've kind of discussed it a little bit, but again, I mean, what, what, are the, what are the risks that you think are unique to a tablet? Are the risks that are unique to the tablet and how do you, how do you mitigate and manage them? Um, well, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, that my main concern is is my child using YouTube as much as she, which is why I was genuinely interested to hear about Hopster. Um, I kind of feel like that is the answer to my personal 
you know um work, you know concerns and worries um so yeah you know my daughter is stumbling across content that isn't suitable for her um but then also you know in, in a wider aspect you know i have concerns about how much time she is spending in front of the screen what effect that might have on her long term um you know if any i guess it's one of those things that we just don't know because um, screen consumption has only been like this for so long, so we don't have years and years of research to, you know, to look at. Um, but it's like with any of these things, as, as the world develops, we just don't know. So as parents, we have to just make sensible decisions and listen to our gut instincts. Um, and like you were saying, do that interacting. So rather than just plonking my daughter in front of the iPad and leaving her to it, actually you know, asking questions about what she's watching, helping her play a game, um, and it becomes more of a family experience. So Nick, what are Hopster and, and other apps that are out there doing to kind of support parents in, in kind of interacting with their children and to mitigate those risks? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think one of the things which, which has been a genuine issue for parents, genuine concern for parents, is sort of how do I find good apps? How do I know that what I'm about to download is good? Um, and, and I think that is really an area that app studios and app makers need sort of need to develop. And there's a few things going on which I think are really important. Um, one, um, we as Hopster have just been the first app to get a U rating from the British Board of Film Classification. So the same U rating that would appear on a TV show or that appear on a, on a film, we now have that on the app. So as a parent, you kind of know straight out of the gates there's nothing in here that isn't suitable for a preschool child. I think. Those we really think those kind of rating systems are important. Um, I think there's some sort of independent bodies that are doing a really good job of helping parents explain or helping parents understand how to make good choices. We just heard from the Good Toy Guide, soon to be the Good App Guide. Um, we heard before about the Children's Media Foundation as well. I think some of those sort of um, you know, neutral bodies that aren't actually trying to flog you something that are there as good source of information for parents. Um, really good to see those guys coming out as well. Um, and then I think, but then ab over and above that, there is still no substitute for a little bit of active parenting, you know, in the same way that, um, you know, we, d we try not to take um, our four-year-old to the playground and just leave her there while we go to the pub. Um, happens sometimes. Um, <laughs> special occasions. Um, similarly, we, um, you know, you know Keeping, keeping an eye on your kid's use of digital in the same way you keep an eye on your kid's use of a playground or your kid's use of TV is, is, is always going to be an a, point, a big part of the mix. Um, so I think we have only three or four minutes left. Does anyone in the audience have a question that they want to ask? Yep, this lady here. Hi, I'm Lucy Gill from, um, I head up the Good App Guide that Amanda mentioned earlier. Um, you were talking earlier about um, uh, the future and, and where things might go. Um, we, we also are looking at that, one of the things we're doing is testing a lot of apps with children and, and putting this guide together and we're looking at things they want and, and how that's going to work. And one of the things that came up um, when we were looking at Hopster um, is the, how that fits with the TV experience. Now there's a lot of talk about second screen. I wondered whether any of you in the audience had, um, on the panel had an opinion on second screen, what form it might take for kids, and whether it's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's really interesting. I think so. A second screen is what people normally call it. Obviously, when they you have something happening on the TV, and then maybe something related to that happening on the on the tablet. Um, real, what we try and do with Hopster, we kind of call it two screens in one. 
So we have a video, then we have a game, then we have a video, then we have a game. So we try and break it up and make that experience interactive. Honestly, I'm not, I don't, I struggle a little bit with the idea that you're going to have, for the youngest kids, you're going to have a video on screen and then you're going to have a, like a game or something on the tablet. I think kids actually tend to really focus on one thing that they're doing and switching between the two can be quite tricky. What we're actually really excited by is on the new generation of TVs, um, you actually have the ability sometimes to control those TVs as well. So the TV might be able to track your hands or might be able to kind of um, um, listen to voice commands. So you could potentially have a game on the TV which says, hey, now jump up and down, now touch your hand three times, now touch your head three times, and that now choose an object that you saw in that TV episode. Uh, and as a way of doing what we're all about, which is bringing TV to life, making it active, making it stimulating, that sounds pretty cool. There is some um, interesting research from Ofcom that came out last year about the front room. Did you read about that? The, the changes to the front room. So there was a period where everybody was in the front room doing the same thing in the 50s and 60s when TVs were in the corner. And then a generation of people disappearing to watch a TV upstairs and nobody in the same room. And that there is a suggestion that, that the front room is occupied again by members of the same family at the same time doing different things on the screen, but they kind of return to the 1950s front room in a very different way. I think that's an interesting way of looking at it, actually. And also you're watching TV with everyone on your Twitter feed as well, so your, your, your front room is suddenly very, very big. Question time would be absolutely even more unbearable without Twitter, I think, to be honest. Okay, so I think, I think that's time, time up. If anyone has any questions, the guys are going to be here a little while afterwards, hopefully. So Dr. and Alison and, and, and Nick, if you would like to ask any questions, is there anything you guys would like to, to add? No, I just want to say thanks very much to the panel. Thanks very much for, for, uh, to Apple for hosting us. Uh, hopefully it's been helpful. Uh, if you do want to find out more, uh, you can go check us out in the Apple App Store. We'll just go search for Hopster uh, or our website, hopster.tv. Um, yeah, and we uh, hope to see a lot more of you. Thank you, guys. Thanks to the panel.